As I was kind of planning for this discussion series, uh, I was just searching the internet. Came across, did you get that picture? Yeah. Came across that. So when I saw this picture, I was, uh, I was tempted. I was tempted. What do you think I was tempted to call this series after I saw that? Get your donkey off the fence. Right. I was tempted, Mike, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh, and I want to explain the reason. Now, as much as I love that, there's two reasons I didn't go with that. Number one, on social media, people may not have read. Uh, they may have misunderstood uh, some things, which would have been okay. But number two, I didn't want this discussion series to come across as uh, as kind of... Uh, enforcing or bullying uh, a movement in your life, right? I didn't want it to come across as I like, just get your butt off the fence. I didn't want it to come across as, uh, as that. What I wanted this discussion series to come across as um, is that I want you to be compelled by the invitation uh, for more, right? It wasn't a pushy thing, get your butt off the fence, but it's a Christ is, is calling us, and I want you to be compelled uh, to step off of the, the current place in your life and to, to go deeper and to go into more. Not in a pushy way, but in a way that your heart is just stirred and compelled to go deeper. For that reason, I didn't go with that as much as I do love that image. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I want to read 2 Corinthians Chapter 5 with you real quick. And I want to start there. If you have one of these Bibles, you can turn. There's a table of contents in the front, uh, which is extremely helpful. And I used it for an extremely long time. Uh, and if you go there, you can scroll to the New Testament. And it says Second Corinthians, about a third of the way down. And I think on this one it says page 655 if you're in one of these. And then you can go to the dark heading. The dark number is your chapters. And we're going to find chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians. And we're going to start in verse 14. I was sitting with my kids the other night, and uh, sitting with my boys specifically, and we opened up the Bible, um, and I said, the dark number is the chapter, and the little bitty numbers are the verses. Uh, I just forget sometimes you open it so long if you've been a reader of the scriptures, you open it so long and, and you forget these things. And when I was sitting with the boys the other night, I, we got to communicate that. The, the big ones are the chapters, the little ones are the verses. Uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. I want to read this to you and I want you to, to consider the fact that we be, are being compelled by an invitation here. Paul, right into the church of Corinth, he says this, For, we, wait, for the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself 
through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's your couple things out of that passage that I want you to see. Number one, it says he died. Jesus died for all. And all who live now live for him. So he died for all, and now we live for him. Um, For him who was, who died and raised from the grave three days later. Okay? And he also says that when you choose Christ, you are a new creation. As you are reconciled to God, you are reunited, reconciled, reunited, made to be friends instead of enemies because Christ has died in our place. And finally, he says that you're trespasses are no longer counted against you. Your trespasses, your sins against God, your rebellion against Him is no longer counted against you. So He died for all. I live for Him who died and was raised. Choosing Christ, I become a new creation. I am reconciled, reunited, put in a friendly connection with God and my trespasses are no longer counted against me. I was reconciled to God through faith in Jesus as a young boy. At an early age, I was reconciled to God. Put my faith in Jesus, put my hope in Him. As Joshua 24, 15 says, I said, as for me, I will worship the Lord. I declared that as a young man. Uh, and I was baptized immediately after. And what's interesting is in a clumsy and at times very careless manner, I have directed my life towards him who died for me. Right? I want to repeat that. In a clumsy and at most of the time very careless manner, I've directed my life towards him who died for me. And his... I just... Two things that came to me as I was thinking about this. His resurrection, power, an inexhaustible grace have been the theme of my life. Just constantly applied to me. His resurrection, power, and inexhaustible grace have been applied to every act of neglect and rebellion that I've done since I was a young man. get that? Right? As a young man, I said, as for me, I will choose to worship the Lord. And since then, just really hadn't been that pretty. 
but his power and his grace have never ceased to be upon me. And what do these two things do? They keep me reconciled to God. It is by his grace and his power, not by my works, that I continue to be reconciled to God, to be the righteousness of God. Okay. So here's a question for you. Have you stepped off the fence to choose this? Right? Has there, has there been a day, a time, a, a season where you said, as for me right now, I choose to worship Jesus. He is my hope. He is what I set my eyes on. He is what I direct my life to. Have you chosen this? And the follow-up question is, 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 is why would you not choose this if you haven't? What would be your reasoning for saying no? Why would you choose not to? Have you chosen to put your hope in Jesus, to worship him? If you have not, why would you choose not to? Can you answer that question? Right. I think it's a good thing. If, you're, if you say, I choose not to worship the Lord, I think it's an incredibly helpful thing to say, this is why not. Right? Just be honest with yourself. This is why not. And if you say, this is why not, let's have lunch together. And I just want to hear that. I want to know. I just want to hear where you're at, right? So in the turn to Joshua 24. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. It's where we've spent the last three weeks. Joshua 24. In the events surrounding Joshua, um, nation of Israel what the entire Old Testament is about because God chose a man and said, I'm going to make a nation out of you and through that nation I'm going to bless every nation in the world. God chose Abraham in the beginning. He said, Abraham, even though you have no sons, no children, I'm going to make a big family out of you and that family is going to become a nation and through that nation you're going to bless every nation. And eventually that blessing for every nation came through Jesus. It's been fulfilled that Jesus is the blessing to every nation on earth that came from Israel. God's chosen people to bring the salvation for the world. So in the events surrounding Joshua, this people group, um, Israel's choice where Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The choice was the beginning of the matter. It wasn't the end. It wasn't the conclusion. This people whom God promised to bless the world through they had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Ever since God made that promise, they became slaves to Egypt for 400 years, making bricks, building pyramids, I assume, and doing these things. And they were under Pharaoh's uh, authority, not fulfilling the promise they thought they were going to fulfill. And then following that, they were wanderers in the wilderness for 40 years. They were freed from Egypt, but then they had not gotten anywhere for 40 years, and during that time, they tirelessly battled enemy tribes. So, 400 years, they were slaves. 40 years, they wandered, and they were uh, persecuted by enemies. Okay? Always at the enemy's hand. 
<clears throat> but right now they're moments away from stepping into the land that God promised them. They're just moments away. This is the final speech Joshua's given to the people. They're going to walk away from him, and they're going to go live in houses they didn't build. They're going to eat fruit they didn't plant, and they're going to enjoy life in an abundance. Moments away from everything changing, moments away from walking into that. And as they walk into this new life, this new land, they're also going to be separated and protected from the enemy who wants to destroy them. They're going to live in houses they didn't build. They're going to eat fruit they didn't plant, and they're going to have protection from their enemy. So answer this for me. In one word, what would they gain as they gain this new reality? In one word, what do they gain as they gain this new reality? What do you think? They're going to finally be in homes. They're going to lay down in a bed tonight instead of the wilderness. They're going to have their own crops, their own fruit, their own harvest for the first time in a long time. And for the first time in a long time, they're going to have walls around their city that the enemy can't penetrate. In one word, what do they have as they have those things? What is the gain? If you got to go lay down in your bed tonight for the first time in 440 years. Peace. I like that word because that's on my list. They'll have peace. Security. That's another one on my list, so I like that one too. Rest. Let me give you one more. Abundance. For 40 years, they had manna from heaven. They woke up, they gathered their food, and then God said, if you store it up, it's going to rot before morning time. So don't take any more than your daily bread because anything else is going to ruin before you need it. And for the first time, they were going to have crops. They're going to have a harvest. They're going to have abundance for the first time in a long time. So the three words I had on my list were rest, peace, and abundance. But I do like security. I think security produces rest. Right? I think security produces rest. When you have security, you're, you're able to be at peace and you're able to be restful. Right? So multiple times, these people were warned. Like on the doorsteps to their new home, multiple times, this was the warning. Be careful. Take care, lest you forget the Lord. Take care, lest you forget the Lord. When you go into your homeland and you sit down in your peace and security and rest and abundance, you guys need to be very careful because you're going to have a tendency to forget who got you here. You're going to have a tendency to forget the Lord. So he says multiple times in Deuteronomy, he says, be careful, be careful, be careful unless you forget the Lord. And Joshua uses the same logic today when he says in Joshua 24, 15, choose today... Before you go in, whom you're going to worship? Are you going to worship the gods of your fathers? Are you going to worship the gods of the land? Or are you going to worship the Lord? You've got to choose that today before you go in, because as you go in, you're going to tend to forget the Lord. So make that choice today before you go in, because even when you choose today, you're still going to have a tendency to forget. So make that choice today. Whom are you going to serve? As for me and my house, he says, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Joshua knew that their hearts would be constantly pursued by other options. Okay? Even when they choose the Lord, choose today. Who do you choose to serve? The Lord. He knew they were going in a land that had so many other options that they would be surrounded by. So many options for what you're going to worship, what you're going to serve. And he knew that they would be constantly pursued by that. And that's why he said this in verse 23 of chapter, 20, chapter 24. Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. The foreign gods, Joshua calls them foreign gods were false gods. They were counterfeit gods. Joshua knew that the other options they would encounter were counterfeits. Just counterfeit gods. What's the a, what's a definition of a counterfeit? What did you say, fake what? Fake impression. Yeah, it's a replicate of something that's authentic. It's fake. It's false. Um, imitation of something valuable with the intent to do what? Deceive. It's an it's a impression and, and, and a replicate of, of one thing that has incredible value, but the counterfeit has no value. Right? So the counterfeit is a, has the intent to deceive or defraud. When I was a teenager, I had a friend that uh, his parents said, we're going to take you on a trip wherever you want to go. I think it was his 16th birthday. And their family did this for, for each one of their kids. And so when my friend got a choice to choose wherever he wanted to go, and he got to take three friends with him, it's good to have good friends, good to have good. And I was a good friend. So he chose me. And his parents said, wherever you want to go, we're going to take you and three friends. He said, I want to go to New York, which is an odd thing for a 16-year-old, but it was an incredible trip. I got to see New York as if I had money, right? We got to ride the limo. We got to do all the things that people uh, like I don't normally get to do. But I had the right friends, and he took me. And he said, we're going to New York. And I was on the streets of New York, and I was amazed how cheap the Oakleys are. I'm like, dude, I can get $20 Oakleys right here. So sweet. Give me some Oakleys. $150 glasses for 20 bucks, right? And in my first glance, I was like, that is sweet. But my friends are like, those are cheap. Those are fake. Those are counterfeits. They're not real. They're an imitation of something that has real value, but these have no value. And you would think that I was 15 then. You could almost understand my naiveness as a 15-year-old, but you would think that I've outgrown that. Yet it was this summer that as I was rolling through social media, an ad popped up for some $15 Costas. And I'm like, what? They're on sale? Going to get me some Costas for 15 bucks, $200 glasses for 15 bucks. This is awesome. You know what I did? I clicked. Don't judge me. 
I searched the coasters, and then about five minutes into my search, I'm like, gosh, did it again, right? They're counterfeits. They're fake. But the clickbait, it drew me. It drew me. Israel allowed the counterfeits to hang around. They said, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. They're like, we're in too. I'm with you, Joshua. We're going to worship the Lord. He said, get rid of all the other foreign gods. Get rid of all the counterfeits around you because they're going to try to draw you in. No matter what you choose, they're going to draw you in. They're going to compel your heart. And they didn't listen. And after two generations, they worshiped the counterfeits. It didn't last. Joshua said, you can't worship the Lord. They're like, yeah, we can. And they did for one generation. But the next one, because they left the counterfeits hanging around, that clickbait drew them in. And they bought into the counterfeits. And you know what happened? You know what happened as they moved away from the Lord and they chose the counterfeits around them? It was all gone. It was all gone. It promised it, but they lost it. They could no longer withstand the enemy. They were like a city without walls. Because they did that, the, when you get to Gideon, what was he doing? No, the Lord found Gideon working his his harvest in a wine press. He was acting like he was doing one thing so that he was hiding his harvest because the enemy was going to come steal it from him as soon as he picked it. Right? Because they kept stealing their abundance. They did not have abundance. They did not have peace. Why? Because they began to serve false gods. They began to serve the counterfeits instead of the real deal. They lost everything. So what about you? We set the stage, so now we can talk about us. What about you? Right? Every benefit gained by Israel is offered in Jesus. Okay? Every benefit. I'm not looking over security. I just think it fits in the other ones. And these are the three that I brought into the conversation. We're going to stick with them. Right? Every benefit given to Israel is offered through Jesus. Okay? Rest. What's Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus says, you want rest? Come. Come to me. I'll give it to you. Where is rest found? It's found in Jesus. Peace. Jesus says in John 14, you just prayed it. Peace I give to you. Not like the world gives, because the world's full of counterfeits. But I give you real peace. You don't have to be worried, discouraged, or fearful. Come to Jesus, receive peace. Abundance. Does Jesus really promise abundance? Yeah, he does. John 10, 10. I'm the good shepherd. I have come so that they may have life. And have life in abundance, that you may have life to the fullest. Life that is better, fuller, more purposeful, more enjoyable than you'll find anywhere else. Come to me, and I'll give that to you. So everything that Israel was offered, you and I are offered in Jesus. 
Okay. So that's why we go back and say, if you have yet to choose Jesus, as for me, I'm going to worship him. If you've yet to do that and there's a reason you haven't, then I encourage you to choose wisely. Right? Choose wisely. But if you have chosen him, here's what I encourage you to do. It's interesting. My name's Joshua. This fits really well. Joshua is going to tell you the same thing that Joshua told them. Right? If you're going to choose the Lord and his name is Jesus, and he's offering you everything right here. He said, you come to me, I'm going to hand it to you. If you choose Jesus, and here's what I'm encouraging you to do. you got to get rid of all the counterfeits that are around you. You need to eliminate them. Eliminate all the counterfeits before you choose the clickbait and you get hacked. Anybody ever see anybody on Facebook? It's like, ignore that. You get a message from me? I was hacked. You know why they were hacked? Because they chose the clickbait. Right? So if you're going to choose to worship the Lord, same thing applies to us. We have to eliminate the counterfeits before we get hacked. How does counterfeit, uh, how do counterfeit gods operate? Here's how they operate. Just like Siri. Counterfeit gods operate just like Siri. Shelly and I were sitting at the table a couple months ago. Every one of you got the same story. It is creepy. Government's watching. No. Mark Zuckerberg's watching. I don't know who's watching. But we're sitting there talking about Shelly's. Like, there's this sofa table that I saw. I want. I don't even think she described the sofa table. Like, she had four legs. I don't know what it was. But she's like, this sofa table, this exact sofa table, this is the one that we need for our house. And then she jumped on Facebook. She started scrolling. She's like, oh, you know what popped up? The exact same sofa table. Like Siri knew what the table looked like more than I did. It's just creepy. And I know you got same stories. I know you got the same stories. The exact same table was shown on an ad. Here's what happens. Here's how counterfeit gods work. When you begin to talk about, I need rest. I need some peace. I need some purpose. Then the counterfeits are listening. And you're going to begin to have opportunities rise up that will say, if you choose me, you're going to get that rest. If you choose me, you're going to have that peace. If you choose me, you're going to have that purpose. It's going to be a life of abundance. And counterfeits are listening, just like Siri. And when you begin talking about it, those opportunities begin to pop up. And you're going to have the opportunity to choose and grab and pursue that thing. So let me ask you this. What options, other than Jesus, do we encounter daily that promise these things? What are the other options that pop up that begin to say, if you do this, you'll have it? What are those options? You're like, Man, I need some peace. I need some rest. I need some purpose. What are the, what are the messages? What are the options that begin to surface? Money. Money. Man, if I just have more money... I'd be at rest, and I'd be at peace. And you know I'd have some abundance then. If I just had more cash, 
if I just had more cash. You know what happens to people that have more cash? You spend as much as you got, and then you can't rest because you got to work to replenish everything you're in debt for. But that's what it promises on the front end. Come on, Zach, if you just get some more cash, then you're going to have some more rest, more peace, more abundance. What else? What are the other options other than Jesus that promise these things up front? Man, if I just have more time. Do you know what happens to people that got more time? <laughs> Same thing, they got more money. You just waste it. Just use it up. You'll use as much as you got. I used to have a pastor tell me, everybody got 24 hours. It's not how much, it's what you choose to do with it. We all got the same amount. Yeah. If you don't have enough time, you're probably wasting it. But if I had more time, Mike, I'd have more rest. Dude, if there was 30 hours in a day, I'd finally get my eight hours of sleep. What else? What are the other things that surface? Say, man, if you just had this, you'd have rest, peace, and abundance. What are the options? Man, if I just had that title, that job, I'd be at peace. I'd be at peace. I'd have that rest. My soul would sleep at night if I just had that title. What else? Patience. If I just had the patience. What else? I got one. Oop, I can't spell, but I got one. Recognition. Man, if somebody would just realize what I'm doing up here, if somebody would just see me, if they just knew what I'm doing, recognition, if somebody just recognized me here, I'd be at, I'd be at ease, man. Religious rules. Man, if you'll follow these, if you'll do X, Y, and Z, you'll make it. You'll finally be at peace. The reason you're not at peace is because you're not following our rule book. Just follow the rule book, and it'll be all right. Everything will settle down. Just follow the rule book. Our religious rules. I got one more. There, there is a growing reality in our culture, and I don't know how else to explain it. I've said it before. Spirituality. There's a vague spirituality. Like, it's not definable. It's like, just find yourself, right? So you go into the spiritual existence where you're like, if I'll just be spiritual and find myself, then in that journey, I'm going to find peace and rest. And I'm going to confess that the church, in our context, because it has been unhealthy at times, has pushed people away from serving the Lord. And when you move away from the church, who is the pillar and foundation of truth, we move into a vague spirituality without definition and walls. And it's to each their own. 
But if you'll go on this spiritual journey and find yourself, then you'll receive what you're looking for. Right? So there's options all around us. Options all around us. And as you begin to speak of longing for these things, these things begin to surface. Click me, choose me, follow me, come with me, and you'll receive what you're looking for. As we make sense of this, here's, we could go a lot of different ways with this. I could tell you about the wrath of God. I could tell you what Joshua said. You can't serve the Lord. He's a jealous God. I could, we could talk about His judgment, His wrath, and all those things, and they're true. But I told you when I started, I don't want to be pushy this morning. I want you to be compelled by an invitation. And Jesus, Jesus has already called you and invited you. He says, come, Mike, I have peace. If you'll come to me, you'll receive that peace. And it won't be like all the counterfeits. Because these things, they're saying, Shay, if you'll just come to me and if you'll receive me, if you'll pursue me, you'll have peace. But what happens is when you get there, you find that it's gone. It never existed. It wasn't real. It's a counterfeit. It was a mirage that was set up for you so that you went, when you chased after these options, and it's like Solomon said, it's like chasing after the wind. You just can't catch it. That's how the world gives. So man, if you, if you just get that title, that position, that raise, that recognition, then you're going to have all you want. But when you get that title and that recognition, you get there and it's like, where to go? Where to go? It was counterfeit. It was fake. It was an image of something that has value, but when you get it, it's worthless. That's, Mike, you're hitting on exactly what I want us to understand as we wrap up. That Jesus has said, if you'll come to me, then I have every good thing for you, right? You come to me, and in me, you find what you long for, right? But if you chase after what you long for, it's counterfeit, it's a mirage, it's, it's, it's empty. But Jesus said, you come to me, and I give you this. Come to me and I give you this. And, and here's what Mike's saying, that there are times that I personally have chosen the counterfeit option, which are these. There's times that you're like, man, I really do think if I just had that money, I'd be good to go. I really do. And, and I've chosen that over Jesus. I've chosen to pursue this, and, and here's what happens is, is you get to the end of that, and it's a vapor, and it wrecks you. It wrecks you. You're worse off than when you started. You get to the end of it, and when you find out that there's no value to it, well, there's no, there's no meat to it, then you're more irritated than you were when you started. 
And emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually, you're just wrecked. It leads you to depression. It leads you to hopelessness. It leads you to being at a lack of rest. The the opposite of peace is to be pulled apart, full of anxiety and depression. Uh, The lack of abundance is just meaningless. And you get to those things and you're just like, I've been cheated. And it's wrecked me. And it's, it's, you get to it and it's just awful. So choosing poorly time after time takes a toll on the individual. And that's what I want us to understand this morning. When Joshua says, you need to get rid of all the other counterfeit gods, what happens when you chase after them is continually, time after time, it wrecks you and it wears you down and it emotionally, physically, and mentally just destroys you. And you look up, you say, what's the freaking problem? I've been doing everything I can. Here's the problem. You thought peace came here. You thought rest came here. You thought abundance came here. But it doesn't. All those come through Jesus. Every one of them. He offers you every good thing. But when we pursue everything else instead of pursuing Him, we find nothing. It just wrecks us time after time. And then in the end, it's just like Shay said, exactly what happened with Israel. Instead of rest, you have unrest. Instead of peace, you have anxiety. Instead of abundance, it's pointless. Every time. Every time. So I don't, I don't compel you this morning to put away all the foreign gods among you Now, there is a wrath of God. There is a holiness of God. There is a a nature of God that needs to be satisfied. I get that. It's all true. But I want you to understand what's going on internally inside of you. And as you choose these things, you're just wrecking yourself. And when you look up and you're like, what's the freaking problem? It's because you pursued everything else. When Jesus said, pursue me and I'll give it to you. Pursue me and you'll find what you long for. Every good thing is found in Him. So just what Paul said, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Become a new creation. No longer counting your trespasses against you. Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn yourself to the Lord. Turn yourself to the Lord. So in closing, I ask you this. What's your next move? What do you have to choose? What must you choose to get rid of? What's your response to the invitation? Stephen, will you play for us just a minute? Let that question settle for a second. What's your next move? What must you choose? As for me and my house, we're going to choose to serve the Lord. I've felt what it's like to be wrecked. I've felt what it's like to be let down by counterfeits. I know what a heartbreak feels like. I know what emptiness feels like. And here's the thing. 
Whatever you choose today, you're going to have to wake up tomorrow and choose it again. Because Mike's right, it's a subtle draw. That's why you have to put away all the foreign gods, all the counterfeit gods. Because they're going to chase after your heart again tomorrow. And if you don't wake up day after day and say, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. Then you're going to be captivated by the empty promises that something else has given you. Come buy these $15 Oakleys. You'll love them. What's your next move? What do you do? What do you put away? Anybody have any thoughts? Anybody have a response you want to share? money takes on greater purpose and greater joy when we receive it through faith in Christ. Right? You have never enjoyed your money until you have enjoyed it through faith in Christ. It doesn't own you anymore. Jesus says you can't have two masters, Shay. You're either owned by your money or you're owned by your Lord. But you can't serve both. You can't serve both. Because when you serve money, it enslaves you. It owns you. But when you serve Jesus, you're open-handed, you're joy-filled with your finances. And it's a gift of God for the glory of God and the good of others at that point. Yep. Yep. We can't serve two masters. Anybody else got any closing thoughts? As all the counterfeits pursue you, Christ has stepped off his throne, taken flesh. The image of God has stepped into our world to pursue us as well. At his feet, we find everything we long for. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing.
this chorus as we end at the time of closing. Father, I pray that you would continue to compel our hearts by this invitation to receive life and life to the fullest. That in you we receive peace, not as the world gives, but as you give. We have no need to be afraid or discouraged.